Hello, everybody. Hello, world. Welcome to another episode of Mr. Speaker Speaks. You know, it's the show that inspires, challenges, and informs. You know, it's real talk from real people about real things. And you know, I like to say it's the show where the guests really get to speak. And on today, do we have a speaker for you? Oh, yes, we do. <laughs> Been waiting on this for a long time, and God is good. God is good. Today, we're going to be hearing from the one, the only Dr. Donald Shepherd of Watson Temple Institutional Church of God in Christ. And we're going to be talking about his new book. Oh, my goodness. The Brushes of Life. But like always here, I just want to give a shout out to our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you in part by Serious Web Solutions. Your success is our success. They do things like website development, graphic design, e-marketing strategies, and more. On the web at SeriousWebSolutions.com. You can call them at 850-597-1707. And Sirius is spelled S-I-R-I-U-S. That's Sirius Web Solutions. And also, when you're in Tallahassee, man, and you need a fresh cut, go by and see my man Dante Rivers at Blades Barbershop, located at 2202 Lake Bradford Road, Suite A, here in Tallahassee, Florida. You can give him a call at 850-999-8463-8463. And just tell him. Tell the sponsors when you go there, when you contact them, let them know that you heard about them right here on Mr. Speaker Speaks. Tell them Mr. Speaker sent you. You might get a discount. I'm not promising it, but you might. <laughs> you might get a discount. Well, like always here, we go before the Lord in prayer when we start these interviews, and I am truly blessed to have uh, Dr. Shepard here, and he's going to open us up with a prayer on today. Dr. Shepard. Yes, <clears throat> Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we first of all come to you thankful. Lord, we thank you, O oh God, for your goodness, for your mercy. Lord, we thank you that we can even come to you. Lord, we thank you, O oh God, for the opportunity to connect and to walk into your presence. And Lord, we ask, O oh God, that you, O oh God, will be in the midst of us. Your presence, O oh God, makes the difference. Lead us and guide us into all truth. Lord, uh, let your glory, let your glory take place today in the name of Jesus. And Lord, as you help us, as you do it, as you turn things around for us, we give your name the glory. We give your name the praise. It is so. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. Thank God. Amen. Amen. Hey, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Might need to ham an organ in the background a little while. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> uh, praise the Lord. And our, ins our inspirational passage of scripture today comes from the book of Psalm, Psalm 27. And I'll just read a few passages, one through four. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an ocean encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord 
all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. But we got to jump down to 13 and 14 here because this is my guest's favorite passage of scripture. That was verses one through four. But listen at 13 and 14. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, Mm. I say, on the Lord. You know, that's a message all by itself. Hallelujah. So today, my listening audience, my guest is Pastor Donald Elisha Shepherd. He happens to be a twin. We'll talk about that. Uh, He's right. He is a native of, of Florida. He preached his first sermon in 1983. He was licensed to preach in 85 and ordained in 1989. I mean, he started doing this stuff at an early age. He got saved at seven, Holy Spirit filled at eight. But he'd been doing this all his life. Um, He attended the Columbus College of Art and Design in Columbus, Ohio. There he was awarded the Bachelor of Fine Arts degree with a major in industrial design. He later received his master's. Um, degree with a major in art education from Florida State University. And also he was conferred the degree of doctor of philosophy with a major in art education um, from the same university. Um, he currently teaches art at Montfort Middle School. As an educator, he has received the Sally Mae District Finalist Award, the Minority Educator District Finalist Award, recognition from Tallahassee Arts Council. I mean, he's done so much and he's an artist, if you can't tell. And so he's been pastoring Watson Temple Institutional Church of God in Christ since 1998, shortly after his his father, the late Bishop E.L. Shepherd, passed away. And he is married to his beautiful and devoted wife, Sarah Rivers Shepherd. They've been married since woo, 1988, and they have one daughter. Yes. Danara. And I just want to say he is a wonderful individual, a very kind hearted man. And no, for full disclosure, I just want to let my listening audience, I do know a little bit about him. Um, I was blessed to be underneath his leadership when he took over Watson Temple. And I was under his leadership from 1998 up until about 2012. But I want you to understand this. He allowed me to preach my first message. He gave me my ministerial license. And he sent me before the ordination board to prepare me for where I am today. And with that, Dr. Shepard, I want to personally say thank you. And that was greatly appreciated. And all the kindness and love that you showed me and my family while we were at Watson Temple. I am very, very thankful and grateful, Dr. Shepard. Thank you for having the opportunity to be a part of the greatness that God has in you. Mm. And so... I thank God for the opportunity to serve. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Oh, you are welcome. And for my listening audience today, we're going to be talking about this book, The Brushes of Life. And you can pre-order now, and I'll let him tell you a little bit about that later on in the broadcast. But what we're going to do now, I'm just going to start this interview off with this. What was life like growing up in the shepherd household with your daddy being a pastor and you being a twin, what was life like then? (laughs) (laughs) I I have to say, especially since uh, now both of my parents are deceased, I've had an opportunity to kind of think about this. And I just want to say, first of all, overall, it was great. It was good. 
I had a wonderful childhood. So uh, in reflecting, I have to say it was good. The next thing I would say, it was church <laughs> because we went to church most days. I don't know. It might have been one day that was not designated for church because uh, uh, maybe Monday. And then Monday we went to Federation of Holiness Churches uh, uh, that day too. So Tuesday, Bible Band, Wednesday, Midway, Thursday, St. John, and Quincy, Friday, Watson Temple. Saturdays, maybe we might get a little break, but you got some rehearsals and things in there. And of course, all day Sunday. So it was it was a lot of church. But guess what? We we did not feel um, like we were missing out on anything. We did not feel deprived of anything. There was a culture in which we wanted to go to church. We wanted to be involved. Our parents were very wise then, and they they uh, allowed us to be ourselves and to be children in the church. And uh, sometimes they put up with us beating the drums and banging on the instruments. And uh, we were not making music. We were making noise. Uh, but it was joyful. Make a and joyful they noise. Tolerated that. <laughs> <laughs> they tolerated that until we actually could put a few chords together. So it was it was interesting. I don't know how they handled five children. My wife and I, we have one. And um, it took all we could to handle that one. But they they had five. My my father was uh, pastor of three churches, and he was a full time um, employee for Gaston County Schools as a guidance counselor. Mom took care of the home. They did it. They did it. So I my my twin brother and myself we were the youngest. My oldest brother. Eight years older than me, then then comes uh, the next brother that's five years older, and my sister three years older, and uh, we had our places at the table. Um, we we ate at the table breakfast every morning and and dinner every evening. Uh, I don't know how mom did that, but uh, <laughs> she had she had full course meals that we we went and sat at the table, not at the TV. <laughs> mm. And uh, dad was, believe it or not, uh, few of words, but he was powerful. As a matter of fact, I mean, when he was at the table, we were all loud and we talking different. We had so much to say about what our day was. But um, he didn't have a whole lot to say. But when he did say something, it was like everybody hushed because dad is talking. My we can my parents love one another. They respected one another. We were fortunate in that um, they were on the same page. You know, sometimes we can try to maneuver. Dad is say, go ask your mama, and uh, <laughs> mama say, go ask your daddy. <laughs> Uh, but they were together. They made decisions, you know, uh, together to benefit us all. It was great. It was great. It's great. I could I could go on and on about childhood. <laughs> wow. From that environment that you just talked about, what is one thing that you've taken from that environment and incorporated into your life right now? Oh boy. 
Um, I think that um, what I, I've taken from my childhood and the example that I've seen in my parents is the faithfulness that they had to whatever it was that they were involved in and they were responsible for. Dad took seriously, you know, his um, his role as a, a pastor, his role as an educator or guidance counselor. Um, Mom took seriously every role that you know she played as a, as a wife, or she also was a, a leader in, with among the missionary unions as well, and she also was a youth leader in one of the three churches as well. But um, whatever they did, they did it heartily as unto the Lord, as the scripture said, and they were faithful with it. And so if you if they gave you the word, you can count on it. It was, uh, it was good as gold. And so I, I learned that faithfulness. Even uh, someone talked about dad's ministry at the height of his ministry. You know, he, he would speak to hundreds, but he was the same way with one or two, you know, before all of the people came, he was faithful in the little things. And so that to me has shaped, I guess, my philosophy. If I'm, if I'm a part of something, I want to make sure that I follow through and do what is supposed to be done in whatever that that role is. And responsibility to me is uh, something that's at the utmost importance. And so if I if I'm not going to do it, I I, I might as well get out of it. Uh, <laughs> say I cannot do it. I cannot commit to it. But if I I am going to commit to it, then I need to be faithful. So, yeah, that's that's shaped me. That's shaped me. Wow. The concept of faithfulness. And we hear that. I know, you know, in, in scripture that those verses that we want to hear one day, well done, thy good and faithful servant. There you so go. That is critical. And that is key. And growing up in that household and going to school, why art for you? That's good. That's good. Uh, art, 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 art. Art came across uh, to me maybe maybe about age five, six. I know about age seven. I was heavily into it. And for some reason, I was drawing and um, I happened to like give my drawings to one particular actually a couple of particular people. Uh, one was um, Maddie Lawson. Maddie Lawson is the grandmother of um, Congressman Al Lawson. She was a, she was uh, in our church and um, she was a, an educator. She was a teacher and she knew how to say, oh, Donald, this is so great. Oh, wow. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And of course, that reinforcement made me bring another one the next Sunday. And, I, you know, she had a drawing from me every time I saw her. So it it it, it started like that reinforcement uh, through. Also, there was another person. She was not as 
old as that, that um, um, Mother Lawson, Macy, uh, Macy Williams also was one that I bring my work to. So I'll tell you one significant thing happened in third grade. In third grade, I, um, I got the mumps, my twin brother and myself. <laughs> so they so put sardines on you. <laughs> no, don't get the mumps no more. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. My my daughter didn't have to worry about that. She got her vaccinations. That's why I said, "Girl, get that vaccination." You know, you know how many you've had already. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> but um, uh, I got the I got the mumps. My twin brother and myself got the mumps, and it you know swells up your your uh, your jaw or whatever. So uh, I was out of school for a week. Couldn't go around other kids and just very curious. I was in front of the mirror a lot. So I started drawing myself. I drew a self-portrait of myself with the mumps. My mother shared it with my class. She took it to my teacher, Miss Kayla, and, and um, uh, you know, said Donald drew himself while he's at home, you know, what to recuperate. So when I came back to school, Lo and behold, my picture was in the front of the room up on, up on the board. <laughs> and wow, I, I was, I was, that, that was very significant to me because um, number one, that was the year we integrated. We went from, uh, we were at an all African-American school at Stevens Elementary and then we went to Robert Monroe. We integrated and so we were trying to figure out our roles uh, at that time, when I became, quote unquote, the artist, that was significant to me. I kind of continued in that. Matter of fact, I kind of got in trouble after that, drawing everybody in class when I should have been doing my work. Oh, but, I was about to say, I hope you weren't doing graffiti on the walls. <laughs> <laughs> Not on the walls, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that started me drawing a lot, so yeah, and and then my parents kind of they they um, they encouraged it. My parents had a a wonderful way of encouraging each child in their interest. You know, my my twin brother loved to play the guitar, and so they encouraged him with that. And Elliot was a musician, um, keyboard. And, they encouraged each of each of us and um, whatever it was that we we were interested in. So when they took art out of the schools and when I was uh, in sixth grade, seventh grade, seventh grade, uh, mom enrolled me into art classes uh, with uh, Mr. Tom Harris, an art teacher. He uh, he he started teaching his own classes because he he was out of a job. Boy, I learned so much in those classes. It was amazing. So, um, yeah, our parents encouraged us. Yeah. So that encouragement and and with all the mentorship and the, and the help that you had over the years really pushed you in the area of, of art. Here's, yeah. a, here's a question for you. We often hear that you learn a lot of lessons playing sports and, and sports is all about life. Help us to understand or help us to see how is art like life? <laughs> well, art is like life. First of all, the creator of us all, 
I like to think of God as an artist. If you think about it, look at the skies and the heavens declare his glory, the scripture says. So we are exposed to art just by being a part of his creation. So, uh, you know, life is is uh, so much a, a big picture of God's beauty. You know, life, uh, as far as uh, art is, is concerned, is also up to us how we uh, play a part in this big picture as well. Uh, so much we, we're exposed. I, I like to, with my, my kids, I like to kind of help them to understand that art is not just in a museum somewhere in a corner in which you have to pay a fee and go behind closed doors to look at. But art is all around us. I mean, it's in the packaging that, you know, we pick up uh, when we pour our cereal in the morning or whatever. It's, uh, it's, a part, it's a, in the clothes that we wear, the furniture we sit upon and so forth. So we are experiencing art everywhere all the time. <laughs> every day every day and so i guess that's what we, we often hear that phrase is that you know art is a reflection of life and, and what's going on the songs that we hear the paintings that we see which helps me to bridge the gap because i'm slowly coming to this book the brushes of life so mm-hmm. how did you move from artist to author what prompted that transition for you to write a book Ah, good question. Good question. I started noticing something. I started noticing that in whatever stage I was in life, when I say stage I was in life, I mean whatever uh, the interest was at that particular time, whatever I'm involved in, there was a time when I was the leader of a choir or I um, taught the songs to to the choir. Of course, as a pastor, I had to be a pastor, uh, you know, after a certain time in my, in my life. Uh, of course, myself as a teacher, as an educator. And I started noticing that the things that I did kind of became an, an, an expression of the, uh, a means of expressions of, of the things that I wanted to get across. So I would hear in, the, in my days when I taught songs to the choir, I would hear a song and it was exciting. Oh, wow, I need to teach that to the choir. And that whole process of teaching it and them singing it was a great expression of uh, what it was that I wanted to say to everybody. And I would get that same type of feeling when I... I got a part of a curriculum that I want to get across to to my students. Oh, I got to get this. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited, you know. And so that process of, of communicating and sharing information, that was just another avenue of me feeling fulfilled in my expression. I even felt that when it was time to preach, and I know probably you understand this as a preacher, Sometimes God plays something in your spirit. You're like, man, yes, that's a message right there. (laughs) As we say, that'll preach. (laughs) That'll preach, that'll preach. And so 
you have the avenue, uh, you have the the, uh, the you have the opportunity as a preacher to express yourself. I'm gonna, I'm going to divert just a minute, just kind of give you an example. Just yesterday, I believe it was yesterday. So I, I run through the drive-through to get breakfast at. I guess I won't name this place anyway. <laughs> uh, so I said, I said, um, yeah. And also, can you put ketchup in there, salt, pepper, and grape jelly? So they gave me my breakfast. I drive off, get ready to eat later, and no ketchup, no salt, no pepper, no jelly. On the ticket that they gave me on the receipt it had salt pepper <laughs> and ketchup and I said oh my god I said look here it's on the tag but it's not in the bag <laughs> and I was like oh that's the message that's the message you're Gotta wearing it on the tag but it's not, not in, in the, the bag, bag. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so as a preacher you know you know, it was it was something um, that ignited in me because I have an avenue avenue to get across this this message of I guess it would be you know um, uh, how we should refrain from hypocrisy or whatever you know. But I could have done that same thing uh, as a, a, a an an artist or uh, maybe I could have uh, mentioned that same thing, even in a song, uh, you know, and what I found, so I'm, I'm coming back now, I'm coming back. So what I found is that these things are avenues for something bigger. And me being an, an, uh, in, in the arts, an art educator, I just paralleled that with, a brush, because a brush is what we use in order to do our art, um, in order to paint our picture. So I'm thinking, you know what? You know, when I was a choir leader, when I was, you know, as as a minister, these are these are brushes that are helping me to paint a bigger picture. And uh, so these these ideas start just kind of coming to my head, and when every time I thought about something, I jotted it down, and um, oh, it, it might have uh, started jotting things down, say, um, in 2014, 2015. As a matter of fact, I opened up a look, put it in my folder on the computer. Brushes of life, hmm, you know, every time something kind of came across and I thought would be something that would, would add to the, the concept, I, I go to my folder and I put it in there. Then 2020 comes along. All of a sudden, <laughs> I'm at home and um, stuck inside of the house. And uh, COVID and lockdown. All the time in the world. <laughs> so I opened, went to my computer and opened up that folder. I was like, okay, there's ever a time I'm going to write this. I believe this is the time now. Mm. So, so God uh, bless me to go ahead and put it all together. 
And I truly, I truly think it's it's something that will be a tool for for people be helpful for them to kind of understand, you know, their their part in life, their part in the big picture, and help hopefully become a little less anxious anxious about you know what it is you're doing. Sometimes we get on a job we don't want to be on or what have you. Sometimes we're obligated to something and we have to make, we have to get up in the morning whether we want to or not in order to do it. But um, you've got to work that brush. You've got to, you've got to do that because there's a bigger picture. There's a bigger platform that God has taken us to. And, um, and so we need to kind of understand that that there is uh, something bigger that, than just where we are immediately. That big <laughs> picture. And what, what I'm hearing is when you decided to move from, from artist to author, it was all of these life's experiences and all of these things that have helped to shape you. And you say, you know, that can go in a book and I can culminate this and I can put it together and it could help someone and give them a better understanding and i bridge that to go into the book now because the title of the book the brushes of life but then you say in the first chapter this book Mm -hmm. is not about art but when i look (laughs) (laughs) right but but when i look at the chapters the Mm -hmm. brush working your brush the book big picture the medium the brush the tools all of these in my mind are art terms but yet the book is not about art when i think about a brush it's like a device that you can use to brush it has i mean to to move things it has bristles you can use it to sweep something to scrub something and even to paint but the book is not about art and even when you look at brush from a different perspective it could mean an encounter or a skirmish like i had a brush with death i had a a brush of this and so there's a lot of play on words here but the book is not about art help us to understand when you say it's about the avenue not necessarily the destination when you're talking about a brush definitely definitely and um it's i had to kind of put that disclaimer in there right away because i i want and everyone and anyone, wherever you are in life, to uh, see that this applies to you. Um, not just the artist, not just the art educator. And I am speaking from my brush. I'm really speaking from my experience and my perspective. Hence, I'm using a lot of the art vocabulary, you know. But this is not about art, <laughs> and you, you said it so well. It's, this is this is not about art. I am happen to be using a lot of the art uh, analogies, a lot of the, the the art illustrations, in order to illustrate a concept that I think applies to us all, whatever it is that we do, whatever it is that we're involved in. So yes, yes, um, it's not about art, but it's spoken of from an artist's perspective, from an art educator's perspective. And uh, of course, 
from an artist perspective, I'm going to utilize a lot of art terms, <laughs> a lot of art analogies. Mm. Yeah. So when we when we look at where we are in life, there's a quote that says, wherever you are now, and I'm paraphrasing, and whatever position you're in, it's the sum total of all the choices and the decisions that you've made up until that point. When we move to that chapter, you're talking about working your brush. Life itself is all about choices. When you talk about using your brush, how do I choose which direction to go? How do I choose what to use my brush for? Yeah, yeah. You know, and and I believe what happens is sometimes people are very hard on themselves. They beat up on themselves and say, well, I'm not doing anything worthwhile. Well, I just do this. I just, I really want to be like such and such. And doing, and it's nothing wrong with that. It's nothing wrong with aspirations. But in order to get to where you want to go, you've got to brush your way. And so whatever you are involved in now, be faithful with it. Do it and do it well. I mean, if you are in a particular grade level, do third grade very, very well because that's your brush at this particular point. And that brush is going to help you get to fourth grade. So do what you do very, very well. Be faithful with it. Work your brush wherever you are as far as um, a position or as far as a responsibility. Do it well. If you're a parent, work that brush. Do it well. Because at some point when children grow up and <laughs> and they appreciate, you know, you don't have to be perfect, but they appreciate your effort. They appreciate, you know, you stand up all night with them when they were ill or sick or listening to their problems. Work that brush. Work it. And, um, uh, you know, and you will see after a while that you are painting something. There's something bigger than just the brush. You're painting a bigger picture of, of support, uh, of, of help, of balance. Um, God is getting the glory. Someone sees you as a struggling parent and gets inspired. So God uses uh, you for his glory in that way as a, as a bigger picture that God is painting through your brushes. And so work them. <laughs> so you have to choose the, the, the right thing. And, and mostly we should choose our, our, our brushes and, and use them for the good and the betterment of individuals and understanding that where we are, take full advantage of wherever you are, the, uh, the, the lessons, the information, because once you get them and you have them in your brush, you can use them the way it's best for you. And I really mm -hmm. love that. And one of the things I liked inside of the book is that you put together this, what I call it, a charter spreadsheet that really takes you from the brush through the medium to the picture. And, and that's why I said all of these art terms in your life, when we talk about the big picture, what's the big picture for this book? Meaning what is your intent for this book? What is the outcome that you desire, not only as an artist, but now an author and, not, and also as a pastor? What is the outcome you desire when someone reads The Brushes of Life? 
Thank you. Thank you so much, Mr. Speaker, for the opportunity to to give what I think is, is my big picture in, in authoring this book. Because I said, I really believe that this was an assignment, really, <laughs> from the Lord. And I believe that God is going to help people to be less anxious um, and just to see the value in what it is God is doing through them and with them at the at the, at this time, you know, right away. Um, I think that pe I, the book is going to help people be a little bit more patient with what God is doing through them. You know, we are his workmanship and he is working some things. He is, he's, he's getting us to a platform. And um, what we need to do is just kind of enjoy it, you know, and, and uh, not stress out, but just kind of enjoy the ride and realize that what we do, where we are is valuable for this moment. You know, I've mentioned this in the book that, um, you know, when we go and look at the Mona Lisa, we don't really uh, question Leonardo da Vinci about, oh, what was the brush that you used when you you painted those eyes and you painted that that those mouth that mouth to, to look like maybe it's smiling, maybe it's not. Okay, what what did you use? What kind of brush did you use? Nevertheless, he used something. You know, we don't really the brush is actually secondary to the big picture, and sometimes we can get really stuck on. Uh, what we have God's given us to use, and we we put it down. We like the um, the the one who had the one the one talent. We go and bury it. You know, one had a couple of talents, and one had five talents, and they did something with this. But that one that had one talent, he was so ashamed. This is in the scripture. He went and buried it and said, "Yeah, I you know I, I put it I put it in the ground somewhere and did nothing with it." But you know what? If he if he had worked that talent, if he had worked that brush, he would have gotten the same reward as the others. Well done, good and faithful servant. And so, what whatever it is, you know, we work it because there's a big picture that's happening. So I want to my big picture for the book is for everyone to feel like they are celebrated for what God is doing in them at this particular time, because there's something great that's happening as, as, as they do God's will, you know? So I, I'm hoping that people will be blessed by it. People will kind of be able to zoom out and see, wow, I'm, I'm somebody, God is doing something, you know, in me and through me. It matters not where I was born, where I, you know, where I happen to be raised or what my zip code is, what have you, God is using this as an avenue, as a, you know, a brush for a big picture. So, wow. yeah. So who is the target audience for this book? If you had to have a, a demographic, who would it be? Uh, age wise? Yeah. yeah. Everybody. Uh, <laughs> Everybody. Everybody. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I 
I, I, I'm targeting, yes, across the board. I'm thinking that, um, you know, it's probably going to hit those who maybe are, are artists first just because of the nature of of the the uh, the language of the book, but um, you know, I I see millennials being able to be uh, helped by it because sometimes they're anxious, they're trying to make decisions about you know careers and where 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 to go in life and where where they want to settle as far as um, you know an area of interest, and so. I hope hope that you know this could help them to be a little less less anxious. Uh, go on from there to even us in the fifties and the sixties. We have a midlife crisis, and we figure, uh, what have I really done? Have I done you know anything significant? And we have to kind of kind of be able to look back and say, you know what, uh, God has done a whole lot through me. I've been. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, someone has, you know, looked at my life and as uh, someone being faithful to whatever it is, you know, um, God has done a whole lot. There's a big picture that's involved here. So the, the target is everyone. And, I, you know, there are some that I believe it, it will immediately help. Yeah, but I'm, I'm trying to get everybody. Get everybody. And we're going to talk <laughs> so <they> about it. <laughs> <laughs> Most definitely. And we'll get into the book signing and where they can find the book and purchase their copy and order. Before we close out the show, you, you have this, this chart. And I want to ask you, this is a two-part question. Looking at Chapter 5 here in your book, and you talk about the medium, the medium. I, I want to ask a two-part question here. What is it that you mean by the medium itself, um, because we have brush, medium, picture, the big picture. What do you mean by the medium is the bridge? And then I want to ask you, who was the most influential brush in your life? Hmm. Hmm. That's good. Yeah. So the medium, and when we when we talk in art, when we say the medium, we're talking about what was it that you used in order to express yourself? Whether you were a sculptor, whether you were a painter, or you you draw. So the medium would be a pencil, or oil paints, or um, ceramics. You know, so so when we we say, oh, what what media? You know, that's that's what we we mean. So you know, the fact that we are artist you know that will actually be a brush and how how we get to our expression will be our medium so uh, several ways that happens uh you know uh for example you know if i am a, a minister you know the the medium in which i express myself will be through my speaking through my putting together the sermon or preaching or what have you. And then that big picture becomes, you know, the fact that people's hearts are lifted. Uh, uh, people will get a message of hope through the gospel uh, or something like that. So we, we have an action of, as far as using our brush. There is a medium, there's a paint, there's a, 
amid uh, substance that sometimes we don't know what that is until until we get started, <laughs> and, and 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 God will open up mediums. Um, I, I believe I give um, an example in the book with uh, Dr. King, him being you know uh, a speaker, uh, one who would um, look out for for others. And God will open up a way for him to do that by sit-ins and marches. And, and uh, so these were, you know, these were mediums in which a big picture actually came about him as one who, an advocate of peace. And hopefully as we hear and adhere, adhere, adhere to uh, his principles, enjoy more more peace in the world. So that's the big picture. But it happened through mediums, such as those things that we see in the civil rights movement that were valuable, like sit-ins and so forth, and his speeches. So the medium is the in-between thing that um, God uses. But as far as the... <laughs> um, that most influential so brush in your life. In most influential influential brush in my life, probably one would be Martin Luther King, but um, it would have to be again. I get back to my parents. I get back to my my dad, my my father, because I saw him daily, and and you know what you see and what you witness is even more powerful than what, what he can put into words. So yes, there were many times we had the father son talk. We had, you know, an opportunity to sit around the table and him instruct us. But what we saw, how he treated mom, how he went through challenges, how he used wisdom, you know, with, with his uh, church challenges and, and with his uh, challenges as an educator, with his challenges moving from one school to integration, from segregation to integration, he was one of the educators that bridged the gap, how he handled that, and, and um, how my parents were able to uh, communicate to us that everybody is to be respected you know, even if uh, you experience some adversity, your responsibility is to be the best that you are to be and what, what God has called you to be. You're not to render evil for evil and that type of thing, but uh, you to be the peacemaker. And so they, how they communicated that to us through deeds and action, uh, they use those brushes. They use those brushes. So, uh, yeah. I have to, I have to, I have to say my parents. Parents. Hey, <laughs> hey, can't go wrong there. Now, now let us talk Thank about um, the book itself. How can, um, what, what's happening with it? Like you can order it now. How can they get it? Um, are you going to have a book signing? Tell us all about that and, and how we can get a copy of this book, how we can actually meet you in person at the book signing. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So uh, I say that um, you can order the book through the publisher, Zulin Press. 
you can do that if you like. You know, if you can, if you want to Google uh, the name of the the book, "The Brushes of Life," you can do that as well. And it's on um, all all types of platforms. As a matter of fact, if you Google it, you may get some competitive prices uh, if you'd like to order it from uh, different a different uh, uh, avenue. Uh, and so you can uh, you can do that or uh, at uh, Bonds and Nobles on April 30th. That's a Saturday between the hours of 11 and 1. Uh, yours truly will be there, be there signing books. And um, I would love for you to come and buy out all of the books that they got <laughs> in Bonds and Noble. Uh, but um, certainly, certainly, um, well, I would love to see you there. That's again, April 30th uh, at 11 o'clock from 11 to 1. We'll be there 11 to 1. <laughs> All right. If there's, if there's a line at one o'clock, I'll stay to two o'clock. Stay there. <laughs> <laughs> just, just continue um, to stay yes. there. Praise the Lord. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. What was the the biggest lesson you learned throughout this whole process of writing a book? That's good. That's good. Um, I I've learned <laughs> that um, you need everybody. <laughs> Because the the research and um, having to to actually look and vouch for uh, different ideas in order to really um, include ideas, you have to have literature review. You have to go and see what others have written about it, and that insight helps you, and sometimes even confirm or clarify what it is that you're trying to get across. So you need everybody. And not only that, boy, the proofreaders, boy, they brought out some things that, <laughs> oh, okay. I thought I was a good writer, but uh, yeah, I see what you're saying there. So um, you need everybody. That's what I found. And it is a process that continues to get better and better and better. And um you 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 know you have to be patient you have to be patient you know after you get that draft out there you have to not be so thin-skinned that somebody can't tell you oh you know you really need to think about this particular part being you know structured a different way or what have you and you look at it again you say okay i can see that yeah yeah <laughs> I believe I'll say that a little differently or what have you. Mm -hmm. So it's a process and and um and you you finally get to the big picture <laughs> and hopefully it, it communicates what it is that you're trying to communicate. Yeah. So I've learned patience, that's for sure. Learned patience, learned patience. Wow, yeah. I mean this is truly been a, a great interview and i'm i'm winding down now time is just getting away from us and i, I just i Man. just yeah it's not up i mean i could keep going and so i, I have just to, you know just probably a, a few more questions for you when you look mm -hmm. at your life your humble beginnings pastoring an artist now an author when it's all said and done what would you like for people to say about you 
about your life. When they say something about Dr. Donald Shepard, what would you like for it to be about how you lived your life? Thank you for the opportunity to share that. I I would I would love for people to think that I was genuine and I was unselfish. I really believe, and I believe my father said this, that we don't live just for ourselves. We live for others. And uh, I really hope that uh, when it's said and done, people will see that, that I understood that my life was not about me. My life was about what God wanted to do through me and how he wanted me to help others. He placed me strategically where I was so I can do his will for others. And so I, I want, I hope that I do that and I do that well. Mm. <laughs> I think one of my greatest fears is to not reach the self-actualization, uh, not reach that, that, that place at that point where God uses me fully. And so I'm trying to spin everything he gave me. <laughs> spin it all, spin it all. Spin it all. Leave here <laughs> empty. Well, my, Every cent. <laughs> um, my, my final question for you today, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. we look at our life, we look at our families, we look at our jobs, our careers, we look at our calling. And through it all, and we we look back and some people say, wow, I wish I would have spent more time here. I wish I would have spent more time there. And a lot of times when I talk to young people and I ask them, if there was one thing you could get from your parents, what would it have been growing up? And they all, nine times out of 10, they say, I wanted more time with them. And so I, I frame that to say, Pastor Donald, and then you look at life and all that's going on, everything that pulls at you and snatches at you. What matters most to you, Dr. Shepard? What matters most to me? Um, What matters most to me is that God is pleased with my life. And I think um, that is connected with the, the, the basic thing like, um, you know, how I am as a husband, uh, how I am as a father, how I am as a brother. I believe if God is pleased with me, then I will be successful in those things. And so it matters to me if I'm to be a friend to someone that uh, I be that friend that God wants me to be. Uh, whatever role I'm in. So it, it matters that God is pleased that he gets the glory. And I think he He does so if we are, uh, we are uh, at the point that we should be in the simplest of relationships. Uh, I don't want, I want to be <laughs> a, I don't want to be like someone said, uh, a spiritual wonder, but a local blunder. <laughs> Ooh, wow. Wow. 
in those local things and in those ground roots things, I, I just I, I want to be pleasing. <laughs> I I I agree totally. That is extremely powerful. As we get ready to close, and I'm gonna cue up some music in just a minute. As we close, I want you to tell us again about the book signing, how they can get a copy of the book, and is there a Facebook page, a website? How can people go and find out more? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And uh, yes, there is a Facebook page. The Facebook page is called The Brushes of Life. And you can go there. We're talking about different concepts uh, that kind of comes out of the book, stems from the book. As a matter of fact, going to have opportunity for you to interact and um, you can share as far as your thoughts, as far as the Brushes of Life. This is ongoing. So, um, yeah, we have a Facebook page. And again, I will be at the the Bonds and Nobles, yes, on North Monroe, North Monroe Street, uh, April 30th, and at, well, that's at 11 o'clock, from 11 to 1, and um, you can order the book, you can Google the book and find it, Zulin Press is the, uh, uh, the publisher, and uh, you can you can um, order from from them on all those platforms. All right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's it's been truly a pleasure, and I yes, truly sir. thank you. But it, it, this was this interview was well worth the wait. <laughs> yes, wanna... sir. Yes, sir. We've been saying for a while. <laughs> yes, and I thank God for it. I thank God for you. It's been a, a great interview. And as we get thank ready to you, close, sir. I want to say, may God's hand continue to be upon you and all your endeavors and all that you do receive it may your life shine thank you thank you well listening audience it's time to go time to get out of here remember life is all about purpose and the question becomes do you know yours remember and all that you do be magnificent and until next time Be good, be blessed, but most of all, be a blessing to someone.